0: let uh-huh.
1: Very warm welcome to this new episode of the NBA Breakdown powered by Pinnacle. Joe Varden of The Athletics set part now from an analytics point of view, the man at Statsbomb for us. And myself, James Gregg from the UK, a mediator point of view here as ever on the nba breakdown a month out from the playoffs then at time of recording chatting last episode about your lebron trail joe you're on a different road trip at the moment which we'll come on to and a reminder that for you listeners you can get the odds up at pinnacle.com eastern conference winners the west and of course overall nba title odds and mvp uh predictions as well uh, we're aiming to pick seth and joe's brains on sleepers outside teams and obviously all the favorites as well i um, since the last episode, which was in February, we've, re- we recorded actually just after the trade deadline, didn't we? So first of all, the natural place to move on to seems just to go straight onto those trades. Um, how are they faring? Have they had any effect on the league in your opinion? Um, ironically, we're actually recording on the night of Suns at Warriors, no Kevin Durant against his former side there, which is a, which is a, a real shame actually. Anyway, nonetheless impactful trades and Seth, you kick us off this time.
0: I mean, I think you, 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 you've hit on it. It's sort of, we're still sort of waiting to see about the trade. We need to wait, wait and see about the most. Um, Certainly the sort of initial returns of the Kevin Durant experiment in Phoenix have been positive, but how much does it really tell us about what they're going to do deep in the playoffs, beating the pants off of Charlotte and Chicago. Um, So we were, I mean, this was, this was uh, the first kind of real tests they were getting into. And then he, he rolls his ankle in pregame warmups, and we had is probably out for the bulk of the rest of the regular season. So they're going to go into the playoffs, the most unknown team that I think we've ever had that has like real designs on winning anything.
1: Well, you said last time about kind of rolling the dice, and and you liked it because it gave them basically a two or three year window to be genuine, serious title contenders. And then after that, they're going to have to think of a new plan, basically. But until then. You know, that's kind of the thing. So that's that's interesting. Joe, um, I suppose that you're probably on that same line of thinking, really, in terms of Kevin Durant, but any other trades that kind of grabbed your attention?
2: Oh yeah. I, I mean the Lakers are a totally, totally different team. Um, it, it jumps off the screen at you. Like they they play together. Um they have far more workable pieces that all sort of fit than they have had in two seasons. Um, They're winning games without LeBron, which this is really something that's never happened in his career before. Like he spent the bulk of his career barely missing any games. And then when he started to miss some games, first in the 14-15 season in Cleveland, whenever he wouldn't play his team's just lost and lost and lost and lost and that that has been the same thing as he mo- as he's moved on to the lakers and has become injury prone when he's not out there they stink and uh so for the first time in in his career the team is is pretty good while he's while he's healing, and it's the thing that we said when we met the last time. Um, we liked the trades; we thought they had improved their club. We just didn't know if it was too little, too late. And and here we are, as of this recording, they lose a very tough game at home to the Knicks. And if the playoffs, if if the play in were today, the Lakers would not be a part of it. So they're only a game out. A um, lot of lot of work left to be done for everybody. But if they get into that play, and I, I think they're a dangerous team, I really do.
1: Just want to have a look at some of the recent matches because this is kind of the time of season. Perhaps I'm a little bit early, you can tell me on this, but you might see a, a few teams resting, rotating, uh, managing workloads. You know exactly what we're alluding to. We talked about it this time last year as well. Uh, for those who are interested, we talked about it in quite a bit of depth, actually. Um, people or teams, and, and, and certainly office and head coaches, et cetera, thinking about projected potential playoff matches right now. Are they thinking about the draft, for example? Um Joe, have you have you witnessed any of that?
2: Well, I sure. Um I, I would say yes. I, I think that you are seeing like like for instance, take a look at the Pacers who are it's weird. They're they're only like a game or a half game out uh of the play in, but they're also their injury report is super long and it's all with their best players. Um, and so when you think, when you look at something like that, you start to wonder, you look at the the Rockets and the Spurs and they are just, they are so far behind the rest of the West. Um, certainly have thought of, have totally turned the page toward the future. Um, when you start talking about playoff teams resting guys, I feel like that's a harder thing to even notice right now because for the first time, I guess, ever. We've had just soreness and load management throughout the entire season, so I I have not seen anything that separates behavior between now and what we saw in November and
0: December because they were they were doing it then. I also think that there's basically one team that's in a spot that's secure enough that that it's sort of costless. And that's Denver. They have a they have a big lead. They have a five game lead in the Western Conference. They drop an extra game or two because Aaron Gordon takes a night off, or or Jokic plays you know twenty eight instead of thirty four minutes a couple times or something like that. Doesn't really hurt them. Doesn't really cost them much. I mean they've had and they've got a five game lead despite having a little bit of a wobble. recently. everyone else. I mean the, the the Bucks and Celtics are are in a tight race for for home court and and the the one seed probably matters a great deal in these because you don't have to play Philly and you have to play philly probably in the second round which is um i think that we would i think we would all tend to agree that that between philly and cleveland in the playoffs this year you'd much rather face the the Cavs if only for their lack of experience so um to the extent teams are thinking of matchups it's matchups well we got to get higher in the standings to avoid those tougher matchups in the second round you know, it's funny that you said
2: the Cavs um, because they are an interesting example when we talk about this. They came out of the All-Star break with, a, with an actual plan to play their top four guys even more minutes to ramp them up um, to get ready for playing 38 to 40 minutes in the postseason. And that is counterintuitive to this whole new idea of load management, or or so we think what we think of when we think of load management. When you talk to doctors and experts, it's not so much about the workload itself, like whether you're playing a ton of minutes or you aren't, but how your body um, is prepared for this kind of thing. And there can be such a thing as under managing it, like not playing enough. So that's what the Cavs wanted to do. Um, But then (laughs) the last two nights they like Darius Garland didn't play with like a bruise. And then Jared Allen didn't play on Sunday night against Charlotte with like a, I think he like had something like he got hit in the face or something like that. So their plan is falling apart a little bit, but, but when we talk about this very topic and you talk about a playoff team, that's getting ready. That's what the Cavs wanted to do. They wanted to play their guys, uh, their top four. So that's Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley. You know, 35 plus.
1: Yeah. And just for those uh who are listening to this and sort of ears are pricking up at that, the Cavs now out at 14s to win the East, which obviously is you know pretty pretty long odds, but in terms of a title winner, way down. They're like 12 favorites or something like that on pinnacle.com at the moment. Um, that's interesting. Uh maybe that build up and the tinkering is actually affecting um the odds. Certainly are. Um Who's making a charge who we've not really spoken about in the last couple of episodes, guys. Um, I'm conscious that there are teams that we, that we tend to miss out a little bit. Uh, Sacramento Kings, for example, don't recall having mentioned them all season long. Um, Obviously the Mavericks, we have spoken about them a little bit here and there. Um, and then a little bit further afield, I suppose you've got like the Knicks, the Heat, which we did speak about before Christmas in our November recording. But any, any names really that, that guys, you know, if, if I tell you that all those teams are way outside the top 14 teams on Pinnacle, on the odds ranking, get it up pinnacle.com. Um, the experts here, Joe and Seth, will probably likely tell me that there's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of value in terms of actually having a look at uh, some of those teams, certainly in each way bet, that kind of thing. Well, which teams have really grabbed your attention, I suppose is the question, first of all, Chaps, that we've not spoken about, Chaps?
0: Well, I feel like we haven't for as good as they've they've, they've been and certainly 16-game wins should do that. I mean, it's hard to have a 16-game win streak that goes under the radar, but I kind of feel like the how good the Bucks have been for the last, two-ish month has a little bit gone under the radar. How good Joe Ingles has been. Uh it took him a little bit to to kind of get back into form. And this is um whether or not he can hold up as a defender in the playoffs is still an open question. But he's given them a ton more than I was expecting uh from him this regular season. And that's been a big part of them. Chris Middleton rounding into form. Brooke Lopez um playing like he still thinks he's got a shot at defensive player of the year. I mean these are all the, the Bucs are are the the team that is really like of the teams we think has a chance, have have really kind of been on the right trajectory.
1: It's a good time to do it as well. This is this is the good sort of good time to do it a month outside. Jay, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, when I think about the Bucks, I mean, yeah. And they, like, if we go all the way back to the beginning, they were my title pick. Um, and I think they have gone over, under the radar, and a lot of it is because Giannis hasn't played that much. Like all, all things considered, he, he's missed he's missed quite a few games this year. Um, I'm just thinking about his fan his fantasy ranking. He's like the 13th rated player at his position, which is insane when you think about that. But it's true because he's he's missed games, and I think that's partially. When you think about the Bucks, I mean, Chris Middleton missed a ton of time earlier in the year. You know, Drew Holiday's been in and out. Um, they've had these injuries all year, which kind of sink them a little bit. I think in the in the public discourse, that they're, they're as good as any team. You know, I think the Sacramento Kings, when we we don't talk about them because i just don't know that we we like our our senses tell us not to believe in this team in part because they haven't been in the playoffs in forever um i think i i, I think i was born when they when they were last in it but but also You know, they just um, they're one of those teams where you say, okay, they're better, but they're too young to believe in. But I mean, as of this recording, they are second. They are tied for second in the West with the Grizzlies. Um, I have people telling me that I should be thinking about De'Aaron Fox as an MVP candidate. I won't do that. I don't think. But that's how good De'Aaron Fox has been, and Sabonis has has transformed them as well. I mean, the the trade that they executed at the last trade deadline, uh, bringing in Sabonis, moving out Halliburton, was just a, a fantastic move. Um, they're a much more workable, formidable roster, and you wonder, you you wonder um, if they're sitting there at the second seed and the. The Lakers end up coming out uh, as the seventh seed. You know, who wins that series? But if it's Dallas, I think you would definitely pick the Kings over over Dallas right now. Um, so you're talking about a second round team, maybe, uh, in, in the Sacramento Kings. That's incredible. Incredible for, for where they've been.
1: And we've not mentioned them at all, which is remarkable, Seth.
0: I, I think that it, it, it's, I think at the very beginning of the season, we talked about how wide open it is. There's so many teams that if everything breaks, right, dot, dot, dot. And we're seeing things kind of break wrong for a lot of those teams. Um, And, and Sacramento just kind of bubbling along, like, you know, all else being equal, would you would you take the Grizzlies over the Kings in a series? Grizzlies easily. Now, the Grizzlies with all that's going on between the injuries and John Morant's situation and Dylan Brooks' situation a little bit um, as well, which is... It's a, it's a longer-term discussion about the Grizzlies to begin with. But you factor all that in, and the Kings who... While they have some drawbacks as a playoff team, Joe alluded to them—the you know the lack of experience, kind of the questionable de- defense, starting really with Sabonis um, as a kind of an archetype of a player who has not held up well in the playoffs in recent years. Um, okay, those are reasons not to believe in them. But then you look at everybody else, aside from Denver and maybe Phoenix, assuming Durant's healthy. Who do you believe in in the West? So the Kings, why not?
1: Yeah, why not? And they're at 42 on Pinnacle, which is incredibly long odds. Uh, Joe, you're on the road at the moment with the Grizzlies. Uh, as Seth mentioned, missing Morant, They've obviously had injury problems all over the place as well. Plenty going on, I'm sure, for you to be following and keeping your eyes across at the moment. Um, they're eight favourites on Pinnacle with us to win the championship. Have you seen signs that they could perhaps, you know, get the job done?
2: Well, they had among the worst 12 hours uh, a twelve hour period last week as any team in in recent memory uh within a twelve hour span they lost Brandon Clark not only for this year but probably for next year too with a non contact achilles injury um John ja morant uh get you know posts the 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 video of him allegedly holding a gun- waving a gun around at a at a nightclub in suburban denver and then uh, with uh, Dylan Brooks, he he picks up his 16th uh, technical, which meant a one-game suspension, and that's going to have a lot of implications for for the playoffs. So, you know, the the other thing that doesn't get talked about is Steven Adams hasn't played since I think January 4th, and you know, some Grizzlies people were telling me last night that. That, that, as much as anything, has led to their downfall. I mean, that how important Steven Adams is to this team and in that locker room. He's the adult in the room and he hasn't been available. Um, so that, that's all really hurt. But to answer your question, I mean, I think, I think they've won two or three in a row uh, heading into to tonight here in Dallas. And, um, you know, they put 48 on the Warriors in the first quarter uh, last week in a, in a game. Um, the stat to keep in mind when you think about the Grizzlies. Is last year they went 20 and five in games without Ja Moran. And I think we even talked about this last year. We were trying to figure out how that how the hell that happened. Um, but they defend at all costs. And Tyus Jones is really good and he's still here. So um, you know, again, it depends on the matchup. I mean, they you could see uh you could see a Grizzlies Warriors first round matchup that would would be very emotional. Um and then you don't know if Jaws is going to be a part of that or not, but they still, they have capable pieces. And, you know, Tyus Jones, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. are probably going to be Defensive Player of the Year. So they have guys, um, but they they have had to work through a lot in the, last, uh, in the last week.
1: I think what I'm gathering so far is that we're not really any closer to knowing who it is who's going to be. Winning the championship at the end of the season, no, I, you know, usually I'd say at this stage you've got uh, a decent kind of feel for how things are going. I'm not saying that it's dead cert, but it's 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 just, there's so many moving parts, Seth, isn't there at the moment?
0: I I don't totally agree with you because I think we have we may not have made the positive case for anyone aside from you know the Bucks, Celtics, Nuggets, which is kind of where we were at the start of the season, but we've started to cross some teams off. Brooklyn, obviously, like. Uh, we've kind of crossed off. I think at this point, we're probably most of the way out on Dallas. Is that, is that fair? I think we're most of the way out on the Lakers, even if they get into the playoffs. Um, I think we have some, there, there's sort of the fear factor of Golden State. So I'm not, I don't want to get too far out over my skis and break them off. But between the, the lack of depth and the Andrew Wiggins situation and the fact that they can't win a road game. So we're, we're amongst the teams that are still there. Maybe we haven't learned anymore, but all of them collectively we feel better about because we sort of pushed a lot of these other other chips to the side.
1: Okay. Okay. That's a, that's a fair assessment. I like that. I'd not really thought of it that way. That's a a man who knows his stuff um, here on uh, the Pinnacle podcast with us on NBA Breakdown. There was so much more in the league that I want to talk about, but we're going to be ramping up the podcasts over the next few weeks. So we're going to do a bit more chat on that. I just want to get, pick your brains on, a month out once again uh, from um, the MVP stuff. The draft is obviously something that I want to come on to as well. A little bit early for that, I suppose. But hey, we're going to have a crack at it. Lots of chat about voter fatigue in the media on your side of the Atlantic, which is a phrase that I really like, i.e. when a player attempts to win a third consecutive MVP award. Voters, they kind of get fed up with the same name appearing. Uh, Russell, Chamberlain both managed it in the 60s, but it's been just one since Larry Bird in the mid-80s. Otherwise, the likes of Jordan James, Abdul-Jabbar... Widely, obviously considered to be the greatest players in NBA history, all came up short of landing three in a row. So, of course, we're talking about this for a reason, not just because of fun, but because of Jokic might fall foul of that.
0: You go ahead, jokes. I have, I have, I have, I have, I have a, a long winding rant on this. But
1: you oh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that this is gonna just light <laughs> that fuse. Good.
2: Um, I, I am a voter, or at least if I. I'm not voting this year. I have not been told that. Um, so I have voted for the last several years. I voted uh, Jokic as MVP each of the last two seasons, and um, I intend to do it again. Uh, I just I think that he, he's the best player on the the best team who plays the most. The team's way better when he's on the floor. I'm going to overlook his points per game because he still is averaging over 25 and everything else that he does is incredible. And I just think I think the body of work is there. And the separator for me is um, he plays. He's available to his team in ways that most of the other candidates are not. There is one that we should talk about, but I want to hear Seth's uh,
0: wide raging rant on this. So this, first of all, it's not we're not in the court of law. This isn't like a precedent that we're bound to follow, especially because the two times where uh, you could sort of claim voter fatigue really affected the voting are two of the the awards. I think it's, it's Derrick Rose, Karl Malone over LeBron and, and, and MJ that you look back on. It, it's like, mm, no, we got those wrong. Um, and and a lot of the other cases, it's hard to win three straight because guys who won two straight MVPs. Tend to not actually play very well the third year. Jokic just plays better this year. He's been like as great as he was each of the last two years. You put the, his teammates back around him, he's been even better. I mean, Joe mentioned. I, I don't want to get too much into the, the the substantive argument about it, but just to to make the point that he has been better even than his last couple of years. You look at the points per game. You look at whoever else is scoring. Nobody else in the league has the better combination of efficiency and volume than Jokic like he's he's massively more efficient and this is this is an area where like a, like a Giannis or an Embiid is supposed to have the advantage on him as a scorer you start to build the playmaking in and it, you know the guy who's in the short list best passers in NBA history and again this is not to you know there's arguments you can make defense is a big deal also would probably be the main reason why you'd want to go Giannis over him and i think those in my mind would be one two on my ballot but he's been even as his historic seasons the last two years, but even better. What are we talking about with voter fatigue here? Insofar as the last time, two times we've done this, we've looked stupid in retrospect. Just vote for the guy who's had the best season this year. Leave it at that. If, if a, there's a weird historical anomaly coming out of COVID that a, that a guy, unusual guy, won it three straight years, I think that reflects as much on the weirdness of the last two seasons when I don't want to say he won it by default because he was great. But because of COVID absences, like he was the guy who played massively more, massively better than than any other candidate. So, yeah, fine. It was easier because of that. But those still happen. And that shouldn't play any role at all in this year's voting. The defense rests.
1: That was, that was uh, fantastic. Yeah. Round of applause there, Seth. Magnificent. And straight back on mute, looking quietly, pleased with himself. He nailed that joke, by the way. Absolutely nailed it. So it was, um, was the second name there, by the way, was that, was that correct? I want to know. Okay.
2: No, no, uh, it, it, no, it's not Giannis. I think we need okay. to
1: look at Jason Tatum. Um,
2: I really do. And I don't know why, I can't figure out why we can't, <laughs> get him any higher in this list than than he has been um he's unstoppable and he is also available and he plays on the the best or the second best team um and I guess I'm just I'm I'm wondering why we don't give him more credit when we talk about things like this uh because he's awesome and and probably should really be considered <laughs> for, for this. When you just look at where Boston has been all year, the injury problems they've had outside of Jason, the coaching change that they had, and he just keeps getting better and better and better. I mean, he could be, um, I don't want to say he's the next LeBron. But he, he, he could be a comparable player to, to Durant in some ways. Um, and he's just so young and, and so good. And I don't know. He just, I think we need to take a harder look at him.
0: Okay. So, I would respond to that. I think this is the, the, this is a different sort of voter funniness, is that there's there's a recency bias. And Tatum probably his best stretch of the year, it's what is probably going to end up being his best stretch of the year, was the part that voters are going to remember the least because it happened, you know, in November, in December. Um, and he has been, but on top of that, he's also shown signs, I think, over the last couple of months of wearing down a Um, you know, he's a guy who wants to play every game, plays big minutes. They rely on him to do a lot. Um, but if you look at it, one of the, you know, kind of an indicator of, of, of fatigue that I like to look at is, his ability to get to the free throw line. First couple months of the season, he was averaging about nine a game in comparable minutes, comparable, like overall offensive load. He's down to about seven over the last two months. And that's not, that doesn't prove it, but just those ability to create advantages and get to the line. Off of them, that that can be an indication of of just you know being a little hurt, a little tired, something. So I think that that if he arrests that a little bit and kind of gets back to where he was for the first bit of the season over the last bit of the season, I think he's he, he he's front and center in the conversation. But him falling off a little bit and the Celtics falling off a little bit as well has probably damaged his candidacy.
1: Well, at the moment. Fifth favourite he is on Pinnacle, which I think's, you know, I think that's fair. You're worth worth a little stab now because he might just light up. You never know over the course of the next uh, few weeks. Uh, good intel. <laughs> Guys, um, I just want to put your brains quickly on this. I know it's a little bit kind of early to be thinking about this kind of stuff. Um, Henderson, Wembanyama. we've been speaking about them a little bit um, throughout the season. Any of the players really that we need to stand up and take note of um, in terms of you know, being a future star. It's so hard this year because
0: depending on who you, depending on who you, you trust about this stuff, I don't know how many of the top X players are going to not played in the NCAA. It's going to be and Women N- N- Yama, uh, Henderson, the Thompson twins. Um, we're just, we're going to know for, from a public standpoint, we're probably going to know less about these, have to be less familiar with the top guys in the draft than probably any time since <laughs> probably anytime since the one-and-done rule came. Into effect. Would you agree, Joe? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I can't, honestly, I, I can't really sit here and say, well, he, here are the guys in college that you need to be aware of. I mean, you know, there's the kid from Purdue that's a giant. Um, what's his last, what's his name? Effrey, I believe. Eddie. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's, you know, I mean, he's a possibility for Team Canada, which is interesting um, for this summer. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm hoping that the tournament – that is getting ready to start here educates us at large a little bit, at least just in terms of being able to place some names with some of these prospects. You know, I know there's a, there's a kid in Houston, there's a kid at Alabama who's had all these problems off the court. Um, And we know more about
0: him for that reason than we do for, for like, rightfully so I would say, but still.
2: It's a great point. And I always say on here, I mean, I, you know, I'm never, I never shy away from this, that, the draft in college basketball is definitely the weakest part of my personal game um and i don't i don't hide from that but i i just feel it seth i do that, that this is at an all time low in terms of um prospect name recognition it's just it's crazy and and the top 2 players the top 2 don't play college basketball never did uh, that's just I think that's a problem for the sport
1: it is a problem that we will discuss in more depth I'm sure um, next time and of course we've got more basketball chat to come over the course of the next few weeks as we approach the crescendo to this basketball season Seth Joe thank you very much once again we will reconvene in a couple of weeks time and uh, if you have never dialed in before and listened in to the NBA breakdown subscribe follow again hopefully you've enjoyed uh, you have heard and uh, hopefully you picked up a couple of good tips there I like that I like like the Sacramento Kings and the little analysis there, that was that was a real bit of gold dust. That hopefully a lot of you are taking home with that. Plus all the other usual uh, bits and pieces uh, from the two experts that we have every single episode. We're back next month ahead of the playoffs um, as well. Keep an eye out for Champions League betting blueprint in the soccer as well, and the return of major talk, of course, with the Masters golf uh, just. Four weeks away. Betting special, Joe Varden, big golf fan, rubbing his hands at that. Uh, keep across Pinnacle's NBA predictions articles on our betting resources page. And uh, we have our NCAA and EuroLeague odds up as well. Um, follow Pinnacle on Twitter and Pinnacle Sports as well. Odds were correct at the time of recording. remember to please gamble responsibly. Thanks for listening.